you shouldn't need people to tell you to go help other people. This should be written in your essence, in your DNA, your code. We are social creatures. We need each other. And the fact that white supremacy and classism is is what compartmentalizes each of us. The thing is, if you get rid of white supremacy, you're going to get rid of capitalism. You're going to get rid of all these social woes that we have and we have endured in this country since its inception. And that's something that people should strive for. I'm not saying it's going to be a utopia, but it's going to be a hell of a lot better than what we got right now. You are listening to Historically, a show where we decolonize history and debunk myths and misinformation taught to you in school and in corporate media. I'm your host, Jeff Epstein. Today is the second of my two-part conversation with Siobhan Torres a core person for Black Lives Matter New Jersey and network rep for BLM National. Siobhan describes her view of what happened to George Floyd, the hundreds of years of systemic racism that preceded it, and the protests and largely performative responses by companies, government, and the president. Finally, we discuss the differences between acknowledging one's complicity in society's ills and doing something about it. years from now it's going to happen okay i want to ask you Mm -hmm. can you talk about the term black lives matter versus all lives matter okay that itself is a false equivalence when we say black lives matter we're not saying that other lives don't matter and it's actually kind of disheartening that after five years like this still bears to be repeated that we're not saying that your lives don't matter as much as black lives. We're saying our lives matter just as much as yours do. So actually, you know what, before, before you even go on, I'll, I'll actually say all lives matter to me is pretty clearly a tool to crush black lives matter. That's what it seems to, like to me. It's, it's a way to silence people. Yeah. Because obviously all lives matter, but at this point you guys are acting like black lives don't. Anytime you can shoot a 12-year-old in less than two seconds, his life did not matter to you. Anytime that you can kneel on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds as he's crying for his mama shows his life did not mean anything to you. Anytime you can shoot a woman while she's sleeping, her life did not matter. Anytime you will shoot a man with his child. And the back seat shows that his life, his wife's life, and that child's life does not matter. So when we're saying Black Lives Matter, we're saying Philando mattered. We're saying Tamir mattered. We're saying Trayvon mattered. And Trayvon was murdered by a nobody. And he still got off. 
So you're showing that Trayvon's life did not matter. He was somebody's child. He was somebody's best friend. He could have grew up and did amazing things for this country. But we'll never know because you snuffed his life out. Tamir could have been the next president. He could have been a CEO. He could have had a Fortune 500 company. But we'll never know because his life was snuffed out even before he became a teenager. Brianna was an EMT. She put her life on the line in a pandemic to take care of people. Her life didn't matter. And then on top of that, to arrest her her uh, partner and charge him so that his life didn't matter. Mm. And so when we're saying black lives matter, we're saying these people, we matter. Our lives matter just as much as yours. Our life should not have some type of quantifiable um, limit where yours is seen as priceless. And that's when we're saying, and when you say all lives matter, you're effectively silencing the ones that it's affecting. You're basically saying, you need to shut up right now. And this is not about you. When it's absolutely about what's going on. It's absolutely about black lives because right now, our lives are on the line. You don't walk out that door thinking you might not come home. And anybody that's a parent would understand the fear. My son is 20 and 15 years old. I should not have a full-blown panic attack every time my children walk out that door wondering if they're going to come back. I should not have to walk out that door and wondering if if I'm a cop one from one step from a cop's bad day from never coming home and seeing my grandchild. I shouldn't have to wonder if I get stopped with my grandchild in the car, is he going to shoot me in front of my three-year-old granddaughter? These are things that black people worry about every day from the moment we open our eyes to the moment we close them. And we keep worrying about this from the day we're born to the moment we go talk to Jesus or whatever higher power they believe in. And when we're saying Black Lives Matter, we're saying, please acknowledge this legitimate fear that we have, this legitimate danger that we're in. And just because you don't have that legitimate fear does not mean it's not valid. Our fears and our words are extremely valid. You're seeing these videos. And you're seeing what's going on. And you're still seeing it continue. So more than ever, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter yesterday. Black Lives Matter today. Black Lives Matter tomorrow. Black Lives Matter 20 years from now. And and essentially, when you're saying all lives matter, you're telling us to be quiet. And to die quietly. They're saying that black lives already are treated. As I see it from my admittedly naive point of view, as I see it, I see all lives matter. Number one pits black lives matter against the police. And it also, the police put pits black people against the police. Yes, but I, but, 
I, well, I, I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying that I think that all lives matter is sometimes used to like, you know, the, the thin yeah. blue line, the flag that they have yeah. the, with a thin blue line in the middle. I think that's associated to all lives matter. Yeah. Like as if it's a cop thing more than just a everybody thing. But also I think all lives matter assumes the people who say all lives matter, I think incorrectly assume, assuming that they're being genuine in their assumptions, that they incorrectly assume that they're, really is not that much violence against black people, that they are treated equally already. And number two, that since they are treated equally in their minds, that Black Lives Matter is is trying to achieve luxury, you know, trying to achieve above neutral, where Black Lives Matter, I think in reality, is we are way below neutral. We just want to be brought up to neutral like everybody else. That in itself... If people feel like that way, that shows that they're living in their own personal bubble and shows that just because they don't see it, they want to believe that it's not happening. It's their own cognitive dissonance. If they, all they got to do is a simple Google search of black lives that were killed by the police. Then it would show in itself what it is. The thing is, they don't want to acknowledge it. They a lot of people that say all lives matter, I'm going to ask them this. If all lives matter, why aren't you at the protest with us? If all lives mm. matter, why aren't you there with us? Mm. If all lives matter, why aren't you there demanding accountability for the police officers that took Philando's life or took Tamir's life or Marshall's life? If or are beating up matter. the protesters at these George Floyd protests. Yes. Hundreds of videos now of police beating up protesters at George Floyd George Floyd protests. Mm -hmm. And if all lives matter, why aren't they standing up for that? And if all lives matter, why aren't they adopting these children? And these foster care systems, all lives matter. If Mm. the thing is, all lives matter is basically, and the thing is, there was no all lives matter until we started saying all lives matter too. Right. And the thing is, is like, you don't, and there's, there's so many analogies that right now, if, they're still saying all lives matter at this point. After five years, they're they're doing it willingly. They don't want to see it. They they don't want it to omit the fact of the disproportionate effect things that affect black and black, brown, and indigenous people of color. That's assuming that they're genuine. Maybe and they if they're not genuine, then they are just blatantly using it as a tool to hide their racism and to try and manipulate others. To that point no. of view. If right now at this point, there is the genuine ignorance. It's been five years. You're going to sit there and tell me you don't have news. You don't have access to any type of media. You are, if, they, if they're saying this at this point in time, there is no genuine ignorance. Now it's willful ignorance. At some point, it it's must cross over into that. It, it, absolutely. Because it's been five years. <clears throat> It's been over five years. And the thing is, like I said, at this point, they have too much information at their fingertips. They have too much access to information to sit there and think that Black Lives Matter wants to have, being that Black Lives Matter more. That is not even the case. The thing is, if, and if they think that, I invite them to be black for a day. Hmm. They think it's, they think we have it so good, be black for a day. Hmm. 
and not even LeBron James black. I'm talking about Pookie from 14th black. <laughs> I'm talking about the single mom black. I'm talking about, and not because she has a baby daddy, and which is a, that's a whole nother tirade, but be, be the disabled black person be that transgender black person that usually don't live past the age of 34 be those black people if if they think we have it so good and the thing is they understand but at this point now is just willful ignorance and you're going to sit there and and if they have a black friend and they don't and the black friend doesn't tell them it's either their their friend doesn't feel comfortable enough or their friend is conditioned. And I'm sorry, I will say it. I've never been one to bite my tongue and I'm going to say it. There is, there, You have Facebook, you have Instagram, you have Snapchat, you have Twitter. There's no reason why anybody at this point will see Black Lives Matter as trying to elevate Black lives above anybody else. Our lives nice. are legitimately under attack at every angle. From economics, from housing, to food apartheid, to um, medical care, to be a safe stage of violence, to lack of infrastructures in our neighborhood. And I want to clear this up right now. There is no such thing as black on black crime. It's just crime. And you can't, mm-hmm. and, and it's called intra community violence, which happens in white neighborhoods. It happens in Asian neighborhoods. It happens in, um, Latinx neighborhoods, it's about proximity. And hmm. and the thing is, and they always want to bring up, why don't we do something about that? The thing is, it's not considered sexy media, so they're not going to show it. There have been, there's plenty of organi- organizations that work on intercommunity violence. But like I said, it's not the sexy media, so you're not going to see that on MSNBC. You're not going to see that. Uh, yeah, MSNBC doesn't bring poor people on. They don't bring poverty, investigate poverty. They don't have homeless people on their news programs. They have rich people on their news programs. Yeah. They cover rich people. Their news for their news of by and for the rich. But people who are less privileged but still, you know, have a decent home yeah. and a job and insurance and stuff, they think that that's the news. And since they don't see poor people and, you know, police violence as much. And mm-hmm. so they feel like they're, oh, I'm woke because I watch the news. But what they don't see is what the news is not showing them. And they're, at, you know, at, maybe at first it was passive that that they just didn't see it. But at some point you get to realize there are things happening that are not being covered by my news and I am not going out to see it. Mm-hmm. thing is. I'm trying to think. I think it might have been Rosie O'Donnell or somebody else said, if you want to know what's going on in America, look at outside news. And I took that to heart because not only do I watch the media channels here, I don't I take in small increments because that's way too traumatizing. I also look at world news and how they're reporting on the U.S. So that way it's, I have a broader scope of what's going on. And I, I encourage other people to do that as well. But I think in order for people to under really understand what Black Lives Matter is, I think they need to be taught the real history of this country. I need to talk about the real suffering and oppression that Black people have gone through 
and still endure to this day. They're just more clever at hiding it. Um, and they need to be aware of what gentrification is. They need to be aware of the medical disparities. They should be aware of what food apartheid are. And they shouldn't be lulled to sleep by certain performative acts that they see on TV. Like, for example, like they everybody was so excited about seeing Camden police officers walk up with the marchers. But those are the same police people that, uh, police officers that tore down Tent City. They have, they got excited mm. about Asbury Park when the officers were kneeling with the protesters. But as soon as that media left, the the um, police officers were tear gassing and beating protesters. The same ones that were kneeling. So I want people to be aware of these performative acts to lull them to back to sleep. Think of it as Freddy Krueger. You go to sleep, Freddy go get you. Do not go back to sleep. They're scared because people are waking up and people are seeing it and they're scared. So they're doing these performative acts. And then, of course, they're going to villainize those of us that are saying, I'm not falling for the okie doke. I'm not falling for that banana in a tailpipe. Speak it. Ha ha ha. I actually get that reference. I actually (laughs) get that reference. I am proud of myself. Congratulations. Very cool. Very cool. (laughs) I need to see that again. I need to see that again. Okay, Beverly Hills Cop people. I love that. Um, um, uh, oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Speaking of performative, mm-hmm. so the NFL is, uh, you know, quote, we are, you know, we share the anger and frustration and fire throughout this land. Yet they, yet they yeah. fire, you know, permanently fire people who kneel to protest exactly what they're they're saying that they're against. Uh, Amazon calls for an end to. You know, in equal tri- treatment of black people, black men, um, and yet they fired uh, a black organizer for demanding better working conditions, and then their lawyers wrote him off as quote not smart or articulate. Uh, L'Oreal, the 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 um, uh, makeup company, fired a trans model for speaking out against, I believe mm-hmm. it was George Young, George Floyd. I don't know why I have Young, George Floyd. Um, so they fight, but but they had but they put out this big statement. We we wait. Where is it? Where is it? We must or speaking out is a wonderful thing, but they fired this guy that spoke out. And then there's Nancy Pelosi, who who was bashing on uh, Trump's, you know, mm-hmm. deservedly so bashing on Trump's stupid executive action, and say we must we must you know have bold action. We must insist on bold action and not meekly surrender to the bare minimum. When when her whole life is dedicated oh to not even the bare minimum, but holding people below the bare minimum with, you know, not just racism, but just everything. And of, how she you know, treated and how she treated the new, the freshman representatives that they came in. Like Nancy, if she didn't go somewhere with the dang old damn kids in cloth, I was sick. <laughs> I, I, I was so over that. The whole, oh, or you mean when she kneeled down with the orange or the African cloth? cloth? Yeah. I was just so yeah. over it. Like, you like Nancy? Come on, now you just just, just go back to your forty thousand dollars ice cream refrigerator and let's just you know let's get back to 
or normal. Yeah. <laughs> At the least, thing, don't stop pretending. The only thing I hope for, I'm be honest, I hope whatever black person sold them, they caught that kid they call charged them extra for it. I really hope they did. Because <laughs> <laughs> and that's the performative stuff, and they think, oh, I kneeled, so everything's fine. Racist. Yeah, of course. Racism is like, yeah, it's. It's the concept. Okay, one more actually. One yeah. more example. Pepsi Company, oh my God. which owns Quaker, which owns Quaker Oats, which <laughs> puts out Aunt Jemima syrup, which has been Aunt Jemima <laughs> since 1889, yeah. is using George Floyd as an excuse to stop using the name Aunt Jemima. That is their that is their gesture to the black community to change the name of their maple syrup. So it's it's all these things. The pancakes. What's that again? What they're gonna change the pancakes too, or just go just the syrup? <laughs> it's, so it's like all you know, performative. It's like it is. They're they're against they're against racism, but they're not against any of the causes of racism. So they're they're standing with Black Lives Matter, and they're against they're you're standing you know they're standing against police violence. But Amazon still screws their workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know all of these companies still screw their workers. Uh, Netflix just gave 120 million dollars to historically black colleges and universities, which you know that's great, mm-hmm. wonderful. But I want to know how the the lowest rung Netflix worker. What yeah. their lives are like? What's their wages? What's their benefits? What's their union? What's their union? Most importantly, what is their? Are they part of a union? Is that union, you know, reasonably powerful? Because you know, as good as that hundred and twenty million dollar donation is, I have a, I have a sneaking suspicion, you know, they're not doing for their workers what they hope this money will be covering up. Because that's the kind of stuff that will empower everyone and stop these fights. Which always affects disadvantaged minority communities first and most. No, honestly, it's almost like <laughs> it's almost when I see these companies, it's almost like liberal white folks. When I see it, it reminds me of all time because like they're against racism, but don't see their own racism within themselves. And then when they get called out on it personally, all of a sudden it's a problem, and basically. It's like this performative bullshit is just—I'm so over it. Like honestly, well, it's like—it's—it's it's like a coupon. You know, whenever you get a coupon, even the best coupons are what ten, twenty-five percent or something. So it's what this hundred and twenty million dollars. I have a strange suspicion that he is worth way more than one hundred and twenty million dollars. Like this is not that—you know, this is not. I'm, I'm pretty sure you can write that off of the taxes. Right. Of course. Of course. And that's the that's the whole thing. It's like you you're doing these performative acts, and the thing is, like a lot of us, we see right through it. Like we know what you're doing, and the thing is, you're ca- you're trying to cash in, strike it while the iron's hot. Like okay, well this is go this is the thing, and like the whole Pepsi thing. Like first of all, Pepsi needs to have a whole lot of seats because ho- after that. That gender commercial, they need to not be involved in anything racial whatsoever or anything remotely. Co- they're not, if there's more than three people, they're not even allowed to be in it. No protesting commercials, no marching commercials, nothing. Mm-hmm. They, they, they might as well stick to like one of those um, abstract noir commercials because that's not it for them. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. I'm only things like, I'm over these companies the only ones that i will support and i will big up to is ben and jerry Mm, okay 
they've been doing it beforehand. Like they've they've got skin in the game. They've been like they've been arrested. And the the reason why their price their ice cream is a little higher is because they pay their workers work living wages. There you go. And the fact that <laughs> and the fact is better jerseys they they've they were not doing it to be performative. They've been doing this. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like companies be more like Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, I saw like, I saw a very strong statement by Ben and Jerry's, and and I I knew that. I well, no, I should say I saw a very strong statement by Ben and Jerry's, and then I saw a lot of replies saying this is what they've been doing for years. Yeah, they've like you're been saying. doing this, and yeah. like, I, and the fact that like the CEOs Ben and Jerry got arrested at a protest. Like, can you imagine Jeff Bezos get arrested at a <laughs> at a protest? Like no, yeah, <laughs> that would never happen. Mm-hmm. And so, like when I see these companies, I get upset because I know they're exploiting a black death for marketing purposes, without directly doing it. They're trying. Yeah, to and, I mean, and and they're just keeping it going. I mean, all of these things are keeping it going, from Trump's executive order to, I mean, there's there does seem to be some. You know, local changes like uh, in the in the thread with the Twitter thread with Daniel that I will put in the that I sent you and I will put in a link yeah. to in the notes. There has been some changes. I mean, nowhere near enough, but there has been some substantial changes. But with with Trump and these companies and all of these things, it is we don't want racism yet. We're not going to talk about anything that causes racism. And that was honestly the uh, the 1964 Civil Rights Act, mm-hmm. where. You know, it, it did some it, – it outlawed racism to some extent, but it didn't change, for example, didn't change anything with the funding of public schools. So it, and so it did a lot of – it outlawed the surface, but it did nothing to outlaw the causes that caused that initial – that the, caused the core problem. And it's going to be hard because you can change – all the laws you want, but you can't change people's hearts and their minds. Um, I won't say all, but some of them. Um, if if they, in their heart of hearts, believe they're not racist and they're actually doing racist things, they're going to get mad. And they're still doing these racist, making these racist policies, thinking they're helping, but they're actually not. And then they don't want to hear what the affected people are saying. It's like, okay. It's like the whole, have you seen the movie Get Out? No, I want to. I understand. I recommend every white person, especially if you're a liberal, to watch that movie. And I guarantee you, every black person has, recognizes all of these things. Like one instance is the fact that um, the family, like the father of the family, he, um, I'm not to give spoilers, but he he says, "Well, I would have voted about for Obama for a third time." Now, in a conversation that might not be inherently racist, but the fact that he's saying it to a black person is kind of implying it, it has a racist connotation to it. And trying to ingratiate that, trying to yeah. use it as a way to ingratiate, <clears throat> as exactly. opposed, yeah. and um, you'll notice in the movie, you'll notice how. They talk one way to each other, but when the black protagonist comes in, they start changing up the dialect, which hmm. in itself is inherently racist. And honestly, it makes a lot of us really uncomfortable. 
Mm-hmm. And that these are the little things and like the microaggressions that we all black folks experience on the left that they don't want to acknowledge, which is problematic. Um, like on the right, you have the flat out racist, can't stand you, quick to drop the M bomb type thing. Then you have. But they're honest about it. They're extremely honest about it. And then you have the left who are quick to drop M bombs because their black friend said it was cool. And but they stroke your cheeks while they do so. Yeah, as they're, <laughs> they're touching my hair without permission. And, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and and tell, telling me how they're going to be darker than me in the summer, when the summer comes type, or the, how they talk blacker than me type bullshit. Mm-hmm. And things like, and I under, and I get how they think they're, they're trying to um, connect with me in a way, but that's not it. Like be who you are and connect with me. Don't try to things um use AAVE as a way to to connect because if you don't use it all the time, we know. AAVE, African American what? Vernacular English. Ah. So like we know when you're you're putting on a show for us. We might not mm-hmm. always say it, but we know. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing is like I think the left really needs to understand this, and there's a lot of white saviorism in there as well, and they need to accept criticism because the moment you criticize anything or say, "Hey, this is a problem," all of a sudden we're divisive because we're no longer bowing and like yes master sorry master we're gonna go what you want to do well that's the assumption that everything is okay so why are you complaining exactly black lives matter is is everything's fine so why are you complaining you want more than you deserve and then really like, and whether it's whether it's you they think that you're equal already and you don't that, that you're trying to deserve more or they think you're an animal and they think you deserve the less that you have exactly and the thing is and this is the one thing we always get like when we when we give constructive criticism like what are you talking about i'm on your side like are you karen because if you're really on my side <laughs> you would not be arguing with me right now if you was really uh-huh. on my side you would actually absorb what i'm saying to you because i'm telling uh-huh. you this affects black people this way let's not do it so then yeah but the fact i'm divisive I'm divisive, and the fact that um, I'm, and the thing is, and it's crazy, I get this all the time as on Facebook, I even changed my Twitter handle to the friendly neighborhood angry black woman <laughs> because, oh. because I could I could type something and the way I'm talking to you and I'm talking to you in a, in a calm manner and I'm not angry and yelling and spit fire or whatever, but I could type it out and they'll automatically assume that I'm yelling or I'm screaming and the whole angry black woman trope. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't like your tone. I'm like, I'm typing it. How tone. can you, how can you yeah. know what my tone is? I'm typing it. Uh-huh. And from the, so right from right there, it shows as to how the um um the unconscious bias that they have, and this is with the left, and they don't want to acknowledge it because they don't understand that racism is a scale 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I see, I mean, well, first of all, just, just my own personal history. I, I was severely bullied for a long, for years, many years, and, and um, have some, you know, pretty intense anxieties that I will probably die with. Um, so, you know, I, I, I can, I can't, I don't, you know, I don't pretend to know anything about, you know, your lives, but I, I do, I do feel, you know, somewhat of a, I've, I've experienced persecution. I've experienced that to a significant degree, but, uh, oh, now I distracted myself from what my real point was. What was my real point? Hold on a sec. Oh, so I see, you know, I don't know your politics and whatever, but I, I'm a, I'm a huge Bernie supporter and whatever. I'm going to be mourning for quite a lot, a while. Um, but I had a, I had a, a debate with a centrist mm-hmm. a few months ago mm-hmm. and he, you know, he's happily admits, you know, that he's, he would say moderate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, you know, big policies, Bernie, we need to have, you know, Medicare for all and all these big things because there's a lot of suffering out there that, you know, tens of millions of people don't have health care. And this is before coronavirus, mm-hmm. you know. And then, then his response was, well, doesn't your privilege, my privilege, also contribute to that systemic racism, that systemic, you know, very bad stuff, which includes racism. And at first I didn't know how to take that. I, like, I felt like he was, you know, shutting me up or whatever. And then I, I was thinking about it, and I actually think that he's right, that I have some degree of privilege – and that my life and my privilege to some extent, and even, you know, the place where I live, you know, how, what, how many people suffered to get the house that I rent, you know, how many ever year, however many years ago, how many people, what was the suffering in the history of creating this land that I'm living on, you know? Uh, so it's like, I am responsible, even though I don't know exactly how I have to be somewhat responsible for the the bad stuff in society right now, including racism. So I see, I see the Bernie movement of being people who admit to some degree that our own actions have contributed to the bad stuff that is going on, the systemically bad stuff that is going on. And that was an effort to start that process of trying to make those changes within ourselves and within the system itself. Um, like my opinion, like as far as Bernie, I think his was an idea. Um, I am for Elizabeth Warren. I love Elizabeth Warren, and I think hers was an action, more of an action type. She is the only politician that I've seen that sat down with black women from all walks of life. And actively listened to them and actually implemented their ideas in her platform and her policies and that she's still working even after she dropped out. Well, okay, but before before I do wanna I wanna respond to that, but but setting aside Bernie versus Warren, just the concept I think is I think the concept is an important one of whoever we support that I believe that the people that I am with, regardless of who we support politically that acknowledge that we contribute to you know mm-hmm. to that and that that this this progressive movement whoever is the leader of that movement that i see like the people that i am with of you know trying to start that effort is a difference between 
acknowledging that your privilege contributed to it and take and then take an action doing something about it yeah sure yes like sure yeah you can acknowledge it all day long but if you don't take action or you wield your privilege in order to help somebody that's more marginalized you're no better than the companies doing their performative acts agreed agreed a, but you can't yeah. you can't you can't take that action unless you know what the truth is yeah so i, I have- see that as as a recent sort of revelation of you know the truth and you know with we, we didn't originally meet this way but I've known you for before this, but I, you know, we spoke about economics a long time ago and I, and I, you know, I still study that. Mm-hmm. I see that as, you know, a, a, a gemstone, a gem, let's say that a gemstone represents the truth. You can look at that gemstone from every, every possible angle up, down, you know, under whatever. And it's all just different angles of the truth mm-hmm. and economics. The, the truth about economics and MT is, one angle of that truth and that's the angle that i personally am most you know interested in pursuing and you know so this this what i just mentioned a moment ago of you know acknowledging that i've contributed to this is is a recent revelation you know so it's it you have to learn the truth and but then you're right after you learn that truth there is a there is a certain window that once you pass that window then it doesn't matter whether you know that truth or not. If you haven't taken action, then that truth doesn't matter. You're then then you're complicit, right? Right. And it, it doesn't. In order to wield your privilege, it doesn't always have to be like something a huge action. It could be like, um, like one of your so like one of your friends that happens to be marginalized. Uh, they don't have a car. A ride, give them a ride to a grocery store something like that that is an effect helping because now they save money on cab and they save money on bus fare or what have you and they can use that money for something else um mm-hmm. like simple rides like if and like i said like you get starbucks five day five dollars for a cup of mm-hmm. coffee mm-hmm. five days a week that's 25 dollars. you could take you can go let's say go three days without it that's fifteen dollars and you give that to somebody that you know that needs it that fifteen dollars is a meal for them mm-hmm. or that's something or maybe they're putting that away toward medication they can afford so there's different acts that you can do on a personal level that um that doesn't necessarily mean need this huge grand gesture well, let me ask you, I actually, that actually brings up a question of, yes, we should do these smaller gestures on a personal level. We absolutely should do those. Mm-hmm. However, we should not, we should also not be in a system that forces people to have to do, have to do this small personal, not small, this personal charity in order for someone else to survive. So in addition to doing those things, we also need to balance that somehow with standing up and trying to change the system that causes exactly that to be necessary. And it's and it's something that everybody can do. Um, to be honest, I like to get too much of myself. Um, fat, black, dark skin, queer, 
disabled single mom and I do this daily. I do my work and I do personal things to help uplift. That's an impressive people. list of qualifications <laughs> you have there. <laughs> so yeah, so like so um I try to be um I try to be more empathetic for people, but like when I hear people make excuses why they can't do something, I'm like lady or person lady man whoever it is because uh, <laughs> sometimes it's men that come up to me but um, i do a lot of work with uh women personally so it's like i have sickle cell i have blood clots i have chronic pancreatitis i have ptsd anxiety man bipolar depression and i still manage to do this work so you're telling me you can't take 10 minutes out your day to help somebody you can't do this is and is something and if you're and if they're if they're religious i go well you're going to be blessed for it so why not i thought god loved the cheerful giver if you're a christian or whatever being that you are and if you're a humanist this should be innate in your body like you don't you shouldn't need people to tell you to go help other people this should be written in your essence in your dna your code we are social creatures we need each other and the fact that white supremacy and classism is is what compartmentalizes each of us. The thing is, if you get rid of white supremacy, you're going to get rid of capitalism. You're going to get rid of all these social woes that we have and we have endured in this country since its inception. And that's something that people should try, strive for. I'm not saying it's going to be a utopia, but it's going to be a hell of a lot better than what we got right now. And like, even like I said, on a science perspective, we, like I said, we're social creatures. We need each other. Yeah. Especially with the climate collapse. I mean, you know what I, so yeah. Okay. Keith Arrow Benson. So I did, I did a, a, yeah, a um, yeah. I did, he, he wrote a really, really great book on African-American history in the United States. Mm-hmm. African-American, the United States history is African-American history. It's amazing. It's a really yeah. wonderful book. And I, I did, I'll put a link to the, the interview in the, in the yeah. description. He's amazing. Uh, he, yeah, he's great. And so his book describes how, the Civil War and the Revolutionary War, both of them, mm-hmm. both the Revolutionary War and the Civil War would not have been won if they did not allow slaves to fight. So they slaves were brought in to mm-hmm. fight so that the United States could win the war in order yeah. to enslave those black people. Oh, yeah. So so the coming to you know, that was coming together for the wrong reason, but still it shows coming together and with this with um climate collapse you know all these people that say government is the problem and want to get rid of government and government can't do anything right mm-hmm. they're dooming us to they're dooming us to extinction at least as far as you and i are concerned mm-hmm. and so yes people can get along by themselves to some extent individualism but we are not going to survive this climate collapse unless we come together and let go of much of these things yeah i would say i've seen a beautiful thing happen i can't talk too much about it because there's still charges pending 
Um, I did a movement with Greenpeace with allegedly taking over a bridge in Houston at the largest oil channel in America. I think the second largest in the world in Houston, Texas. Wow. Um, and it was a beautiful thing to see because it wasn't just one group. It was so many. It was so diversified, and everybody was coming for their for their own specific reasons. But it all stood, came from environmental justice, and and that's another thing about um, environmental groups. We see like racial justice is environmental justice, and people need to um, understand that as well. And I keep coming back, like I said, I keep coming back to race because it stems and it permeates through everything. It's like the spider web in the center and it branches out. Race always plays a factor. No matter what. Even as much as we would love to act like it doesn't, it does. Even in environmental groups, um, I went to speak on like preserving the marshlands and whatnot and I actually had people come up to me and told me tell me that they were surprised that black people cared about the environment. <laughs> like okay. Like don't we live on this planet too? <laughs> yeah. Like why would I wouldn't I care? And then Pat, and, patting your head and saying, "Oh, wow, you're actually a human yeah, being. Like, How yeah. nice. You're and like then, a nice little cuddly teddy bear." Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty much like, oh, "I didn't know black people cared about the environment." Like we live here, but again, because it's not sexy media, they don't show it. Mm-hmm. Like yes, there's like quite a few black people in Greenpeace. There's quite quite a few black environmentalist groups, and there's quite a few black boys that, that do guerrilla gardening and er, and community gardens because that stems from environments and a lot of it. And the thing is, like, how can you look at Flint and talk about speaking the- of gentrification? Speaking yeah. of gentrification, Flint is, I think, like the shining example of gentrification just keep it poisoned until they finally all get out of there yeah and but the thing is some of them they're too poor they can't move um well they're gonna die keep them keep, until they die or until they're until they leave and yeah. this is and this is the thing is was so heartbreaking i was blessed to go to flint and meet some of the residents there and i was hopeful of seeing like the joy what are the women um, was ce- celebrating her 70th birthday and she was having a 70th, 70th themed birthday party and just to see the joy that they had and them and the community they were having knowing damn well they couldn't drink that water um there was a woman a senior woman she i don't want to say her name because she she likes her stuff private but she bought her house years ago i think she paid two hundred thousand dollars for her house and at that point, when we went to Flint, her house was only worth $2,000 afterwards because of all the going on. So they can't even move if they want to. Um, and then it, it looks like a war zone. Like there were boarded up houses. You see bottles everywhere. And then you see people, there were, grocery stores were closing, which was putting them in food apartheid. Because they're close to these grocery stores where they're going to buy food. Of course. And then they had these water rations where if they were elderly or disabled and they couldn't get to the door in time, the people would just leave. And they were stuck without water. And let's not pretend that that this is 
this is uh, out of the control of our government. This yeah. could end as soon as the last, as soon as the last, you know, poor person dies or leaves. Those pipes are going to be fixed up in a jiffy. It's going to be. See, they were fixing the business sections. They had money to fix the pipes, and they fixed the, they fixed the business sections. They didn't fix the residence areas yet. Right, and, and of course, they could fix all of this within months. They could fix and, all of this within a, a couple of months, a few and months. At the, and at that time, when we was at Flint, the mayor of Flint, I think it was the, either the mayor or the governor, I have to double check, actually had a birthday party for his wife and spent like $20,000 on a cake as oh, okay. his citizens are dying. Um, I've seen people that were getting chemical burns from using the water. They're, they're just sitting there waiting for a breakout of Legionnaire's disease. The most heartbreaking one I've seen it, it was a young mom and they is before they was telling them the water was contaminated and she was boiling the water and using it to make formula for her baby and her baby was only three months old when she died this young mom they didn't say anything to her and she lost her child behind it and the same things going on in newark same things going on in camden and a lot of predominantly black cities again race plays a factor yeah, and Flint is not. Flint is the, is the most prominent, but it's, it's as I, as I understand it, it's all over the place. It's all over. Yeah, and you have these these things going on on top of that, and then you have the state sexual violence, and then you have um, the mortality rate of black women. Um, you have the fact that. I think the study was, I think it was 2016 study showed the, the graduating class in 2016, close to 50% of those doctors still believed black people didn't feel as much pain as white people did. <laughs> this is in 2016. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to justify, you have to justify in order to be able to do these evil things. Yeah. And if, they, and, if they, and if they did their search research, they would know every advance, uh, modern advance of medicine, was done on slaves. Every single one, like the father of gynecology, literally dissected black slaves with no anesthesia. Dissected them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Every Henrietta Lacks. And her immortal in her mortal cell, taken without her consent, advanced uh, cell research for years ahead of schedule. And these are things that people are not aware that's going on, but yet they feel like our lives don't matter. Like we contributed to right. The they 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 keep ignorant of these things. So they don't realize how poorly you're treated, and then they turn around and are resentful is, that you're daring to say, "I want to be treated better," because they don't realize these horrendous things. But the thing is, it's not even about being demanded to treat better. It should be automatic. How can you call yourself an American and a patriot? Human, a human. Exactly. And then when they want to talk about riots and whatnot, like this whole country was founded on a riot. Like, let's be mm. honest. This country was founded on a riot and destruction of property. 
Yeah, these changes, even if a lot of them are performative, these changes are happening because because of these protests. Yeah. I mean, these protests are doing something, whether it's enough or not. They're clearly doing something. Um, so you can say, you know, some people have said, it's a shame that George Floyd was killed, but people really shouldn't be burning down buildings. No, it's a shame that buildings are being burned down, mm-hmm. but there really should not be systemic murdering of black people. That comment in itself shows you why Black Lives Matter. They put more value in a building than they did in that man's life. Because they don't see what they don't see the history. I mean, they don't see the history, the hundreds of years of history that that is the tip of the iceberg of the iceberg that that is the tip of. The thing is, uh, and people don't understand that when these riots happen, it's not just of George Floyd. It's other people that's consistently being murdered and it gets to a boiling point just like rodney king a lot of people don't understand the, the rise didn't just start because of rodney king two days prior a young girl was killed by the police two days before george before the video of rodney king showed up rodney king yes the rodney okay. king riots two days before he was murdered a young girl was killed by the police and when huh. they see the video it was at a boiling point and this is def- this is insanity because this is going to continue ha- happening because there's no real substantive change being made. They're doing it's like putting a band aid on a decapitation. <laughs> it's basically what it is. Oh come on, it's a step in the right direction, Siobhan. But the thing is, it's like. It's a step in the right direction, but what direction are we going? <laughs> no, but, but, still, but still, it is a step in the right direction, but who cares? You know, who cares? It's, it's like you, we have to go 12 miles down the road, but I just stepped a, a millimeter towards that direction. Like, like that matters, you know. And the thing is, and the whole, and that's the thing is like, I get it. It's, it, I know that old clothes would be a hopeful, like, it's a step in the right direction. We've been stepping for four hundred years, and we didn't get there yet. How about we and how many? And how much have you? And how much have you been slid back in that process? So one small step forward is like twelve steps back. You know, being pushed. Yeah. And it's all. And it's always something. Right. And it's all. And there's always something called. And I call it's called a white lash. And a lot of people aren't aware of it. Any type of progress that happens for Black, Brown, Indigenous people of color, there's always a white lash that comes around it. Every time, without fail. Oh, you want your freedom? Up oh, here comes Jim Crow. Oh, you want the right to vote? We'll give you your right to vote, but you need to have a white sponsor. You have to be able to read. You have to pay the toll to be able to vote. Okay. And these are things called the white lash. Oh, you want a black president? Well, look who we got now. It's I. It's the white lash, and that comes from white supremacy and. The field thing is, they're taught that not everybody can eat at the table. And what they need to learn is that there's room for everybody at the table because if they don't, the poor folks are going to fuck around and flip over that table. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of people are like, oh, when they talk about these riots, I'm not saying I would do it, but I understand. And like they're burning up their neighborhoods. No, they're not. They don't own anything there. And like, 
And he's like, rioting is not right. Jesus rioted. And you talk about you better than Jesus? And you a Christian? Hmm. And I know a lot of Christians hate when I do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, Jesus was with people flipping tables. I'm going with that, Jesus. Uh-huh. I'm like, tell me it's not in the Bible. I was like, my, I was like, my great granddad was a pastor at a church, so I went to church every day, Monday through Sunday. I was in church, so you're not telling me anything different. So, okay, but that and that's the whole thing. If you don't want these rights to happen, then make real changes. Don't make superficial changes that's going to wear out in a couple years, or they're going to find a loophole, like. The whole concept of of suburbs was made to get away from black people, and then here, ah. yeah, and we're like, oh, you want to move wherever you want? Here comes redlining, mm. and then once we move on, you want, oh, okay, you want equal treatment? Well, guess what? The grandkids of the white folks that moved out your neighborhoods and took their resources with them, now their grandkids are going to move right back into the neighborhood and outprice you out your neighborhood. Families that have been there for generations can no longer live there. Hmm. Gentrification is just neo-colonialism. Hmm. It colonizes all over again. And like, If you know you could afford to move anywhere else, why would you move there? Where are these people going to go? If they and they're not building these affordable houses for people, so ah, where are back they to going? the back to the Mount Laurel decision? Exactly. Huh. They're not building affordable housing. They're building senior housing. Yeah. Yep. And I'd like to get too personal, but at the point where I was homeless and I had my my kids with me. Well, my son, my oldest was grown, and I had me and my son, and I went to the board of services to ask for help for housing. And they told me I had to go to a shelter in order to get housing, so I was like, fine, I'll do all that. They told me that they couldn't house me and my son, that my 13-year-old son had to go to a men's shelter alone, and then I would be able to go into it. So, like, you're telling me I have to give up my child, put him in a grown men's shelter by himself with no support in order to get housing? And they absolutely, with a straight face, told me yes. What did you do? Uh, We lived in a car for a while. So, Hmm. pretty much now we're all piled up in a one-bedroom apartment. And so, hopefully, be able to to, um, get an apartment. But gentrification. I can't afford to live anywhere else. You're in Pensacola still? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And these are things that black folks live with all of the time. So excuse me if I don't, if I seem uncaring about well, I'm trying to be a good ally. Fuck your allyship. What are you doing to change these policies? My child should not have to be have to be alone. I should not have to choose between a roof over my head and putting my child in danger by himself. That's unacceptable. And I'm not the only person that went through that. I've known people that could not get food stamps 
or a cash assistance because they made $1 more than a limit. $1. So these are, and these are things that Dumbo design. Uh. Like you can't, if you get cash assistance and you tell them you want to go to college or you're a college student, there was a time where you couldn't, I think they just recently changed it where you get food stamps and go to college. But before you couldn't go to college and get food stamps. And that, and that, why do we live in a society where you have to have food stamps to to have food? Right. Exactly. Okay. What, uh, so are there any final thoughts that you have that you would like people to understand, uh, before we get off and let me, and actually, before you answer that, let me tell you, this podcast is called historically Mm -hmm. and it is, you know, like I have my own podcast, which is economics Mm -hmm. called activist MMT. Um, but this podcast that I'm recording this for is called historically MMT is the truth about economics. Mm -hmm. Historically is the truth about history. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, the news, like, you know, much of what we've talked about is the news hides real stuff and the history books hide real stuff Mm -hmm. and the news hides real history too. You know, that's part of, that's part of the deal. Um, so historically is, is an effort to try and, you know, get rid of the whitewash of history. And actually now hearing the word whitewash as I'm talking to you means something different. Mm -hmm. Um, Whitewash. Um, Yeah. So, so that is what this is for. Um, So any final thoughts that you would like uh, people to understand uh, regarding everything we've spoken about George Floyd, especially George Floyd. I would, I would love people to understand that we're tired. Yet we persevere. And I want them to be more active. And I've heard this whole allies fatigue. And it's a thing. I'm not saying it's not valid. But imagine going through your whole life with it. So maybe that will give you the nudge to do go that little extra mile. And to actively read Black authors. To actively learn the history of what's going on and the history of police and know that the incident with George Floyd is not a solitary incident. It's done by design and it's made, it's doing what it's supposed to do. And that's about it. Okay. Uh, Thank you very much for talking with me. Um, I've known you for a little while now um, and it's nice to get into I'm glad to be talking about this with you. I'm glad to be learning about this with you. So thank you for coming on. No problem. I think you're cool people, so I don't mind. (laughs) I'm a cool people. All right. You're cool people. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. All right. See you later. See ya.